Hello, uh, welcome to the FRSA podcast. Uh, this is John Helene, and uh, FRSA is the uh, Association of Roofing Professionals in Florida, uh, made up of roofing contractors, manufacturers, distributors, uh, service providers, sales reps, uh, everybody that uh, is associated with the um, Florida roofing industry. Um, FRSA is kind of the uh, center of that as an association. Um, today uh, we have uh, Mike Silvers with us. Uh, Mike Silvers is the uh, codes and technical director at FRSA. Uh, Mike is um, the owner of Silver Systems Inc. Uh, out of St. Petersburg. Um, he's been a licensed roofing contractor since 1982 and he was involved in the roofing industry uh, well before that. So as the codes and technical director at FRSA, uh, Mike Silvers uh, gets calls. He takes calls from FRSA members who have questions on a specific project or about codes in general. So today we're going to spend some time looking at some of the calls that he gets as well as some other issues uh, about the code. The 2020 Florida Building Code is going into effect at the end of December uh, 2020. And so there's a lot of changes. And so we want to talk about um, some of those changes today. And so the first thing, um, Mike, I know you're getting a lot of calls about uh, underlayment and changes in the underlayment code. And so I I'm looking forward to better understanding that myself. So could you share about uh, the changes in underlayment? Absolutely. And, and thank you, John, for the introduction and the question. Um, the item that I've taken most calls about um, since we've uh, been working on the new building code and, and word is getting out that it's coming up, it does go into effect December 31st of this year. Uh, it is the 2020 Florida Building Code 7th edition. Probably the, the most common question that I'm getting has to do with the underlayment changes, and they are fairly extensive. Um, the changes in the underlayments were brought forward by IBHS. IBHS represents the insurance industry and are very active in code changes. Um, and this is what IBHS calls their sealed roof deck uh, program. And the idea is to make underlayments more uh, water resistant when when they come into play as a secondary water barrier. Secondary water barrier uh, is obviously what the purpose for it is in case you would lose your primary roof covering, the secondary water barrier is supposed to give you some protection until uh, hopefully your roof can be uh, repaired or replaced in most cases if it, if it blows off. So the idea is to keep the water out of the building after that primary roof has, uh, has failed. Uh, a lot of testing was done by IBHS. They have a full uh, wind facility to do testing for roof, full-size um, wind tunnel. They put full-size mock-ups of roofs in them and they test them and the standard underlayments we used it turned out were were not sufficient uh, in a wind-driven rain test. The water would drive up underneath the laps and so if they wanted to make a change there they kept increasing the laps on the underlayment until um, they got to the point that they would keep the water out, stop the water from blowing up under the laps. And they got so far, if I'm not mistaken, up to around 14 inch lap before it was sufficient. Uh, and at that point you were so close to a double coverage that that was their basic idea that if you were going to use a nailed underlayment, it should be installed as a double coverage regardless of the slope. 
So I'm going to run through the options now that we have under the Florida Building Code for underlayments. Um, the self-adhered membranes direct the deck, or some people refer to them as peel and stick, but the self-adhered membranes direct the deck are still pretty much like they've been being done. There's no real changes there, and that is obviously a very good uh, secondary water barrier because it's stuck to the wood sheathing. We don't have any, any potential for that blowing off. So if your primary roof would go, that's there. Uh, so again, if you're using a self-adhered membrane direct to deck, that's still done as we have done it. The code has allowed a uh, system to tape the joints in the sheathing, and now there's an additional way to tape a, a new standard, the AMA standard. Uh, a different type of tape than the modified tapes that we've been using uh, for the, the past several code cycles. So if you tape your joints in your plywood or your OSB and your roof is um, 4 and 12 or better, once you've taped the joints you can use a single layer of number 30 or an approved synthetic. And an approved synthetic, there's some specific stuff in the code about what is required for it to be an approved synthetic. There is still not an ASTM standard for synthetics, so unfortunately the description in the code is what you have to go by. As a roofing contractor in Florida, the thing you want to make sure that your supplier is telling you that it is an approved synthetic for the state of Florida. Um, so you want to make sure that that's the case because there are a lot of synthetics out there that don't meet that standard. So you want to make sure that that's the case. So again, 4 and 12 and above, you can use a single layer of either number 30 felt or a synthetic over the taped joints. If you're below 4 and 12, you need to install two layers of underlayment, the overlapping, shingle fashion, um, and it is described in the code how to accomplish that with either the number 30 or the synthetics. Below 4 and 12, you still need to install two layers of those approved, either felt or the synthetic. Then the other option, if you don't want to uh, use direct to deck, uh, a complete self-adhered membrane on the entire deck, or tape the joints, then the other option is that you install two layers of either the number 30 felt or um, an approved synthetic. And that's basically your options. Uh, the idea again is to provide for a better secondary water barrier. So I'm gonna run through those real quick again. Self-adhered membrane, direct to deck is okay. Taping the joints below four and 12, two layers of felt or synthetic. Um, Above 4 and 12, over taped joints, a single layer of felt or synthetic. And then again, if you don't want to go fully adhered to deck or tape the joints, then it's two layers of felt or synthetic installed shingle fashion, double coverage. So if I um, am below 412, um, I've got to do double a double layer of underlayment whether I tape the joints or not? That's correct. Okay. And that, that has been the standard for um, nailed underlayments uh, all along. And so the idea is you still want to have the, uh, what the manufacturers require for those underlayments and, and that's the way to achieve that. And you'll both be meeting those and the Florida Building Code. Okay, all right, great. Um, so, okay, so we've basically got three, three options there 
for um, underlayment? Well, yeah, and, and it actually is a few more than three. That's primarily because there's two different ways you can tape the joints, but those are, are the, the three main ways. If you want to separate one type of tape and another type of tape into a separate system, okay. uh, you know, you can, you can count the numbers differently, but those are the, the primary ways that we've got to install underlayments. And this is everywhere except the HVAC. If you're in the high velocity hurricane, Miami-Dade or Broward County, um, it has not changed. They did not adopt the sealed deck system that the rest of the state of Florida did. It's one area where clearly at this point the, the Florida building code is more stringent, uh, the, the main code, uh, than the code for the uh, high velocity hurricane zone. And there are a few others as well, but uh, for today we'll just uh, talk about that one. Okay. So okay, if you're great. there, nothing has changed. You can still install underlayments like you have in the past. And, and are there jurisdictions that can implement that HVAC outside of the zone? Or? They're, they're not supposed to do that, but okay. there have been instances where that happens. Um, but outside of the HVAC, at this point, this is required everywhere else in the, in state, the state of Florida. Okay, okay great. All right. Um, thanks, Mike. That, that uh, hopefully is helpful to people listening, uh, understanding the changes uh, outside the HVHC uh, for underlayment, the requirements in the new code that's uh, coming into effect at the end of December. Um, we are, as we record, we're um, kind of coming into Christmas week. And so just want to wish everybody um, a Merry Christmas um, yeah, for Merry you and Christmas your family. Yeah, and yes, and Happy New Year. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and we'll be right back. Are you tired of not making money on your savings? FRSA Credit Union is paying 1.1% on a 24-month Jumbo CD. Putting your money with the FRSA Credit Union ensures that we are able to continue funding the consumer roof loans and business loans that our customers love. Call 877-657-7212 today to find out how FRSA Credit Union can help you grow. Okay, uh, we are back. Uh, thanks for uh, hanging in there as we talk about codes with uh, Mike Silvers, the Codes and Technical Director at FRSA. Um, we just got done talking about underlayment in the new uh, FBC uh, 7th edition 2020 code. And now we're going to um, go into something that you addressed in the December issue of uh, Florida Roofing Magazine, Mike, and, and that is um, ASCE 716 is the new standard in the in the seventh edition code 
the title of your article was Does ASCE 716 Really Change Everything? Thank you, John. Um, this is probably one of the biggest changes um, that we've had in the code recently. And ASCE is um, a document that's promulgated by the American Society of Civil Engineers, and now it is newly ASCE slash SEI, which is the Structural Engineering Institute. So it's American Society of Civil Engineers Structural Engin Engineering Institute. They promulgate a standard that's used for the, uh, all of the loading on buildings in the Florida Building Code and for that matter in the International Building Code. So in any way that you build a building, um, the engineers have to comply with these requirements. Um, for roofing, uh, roofing is considered a component or cladding and those are also covered by ASCE SEI. Um, and in Florida we need to comply with these and it has been a major change. We have been operating for the last several code cycles under ASCE 710. Um, and those of you who have done low slope roofing over the years are fairly familiar with the three zones we had um, in ASCE 710 and the previous ASCE standards as well. We had uh, zone three uh, corners, uh, zone two perimeters, and zone one in the field. For low slope roofing that has now changed. We have four zones. Uh, the fourth zone is a slightly lower pressure zone in the center of the roof and when I say pressure while I'm talking about this I'm, I'm talking about negative pressure so uplift but I'll just refer to it as pressure as we discuss this. Um, the low slope roofs now have four instead of three zones. Um, steep roofs hip gable roofs now have six zones um, and hip roofs have four zones. The way you calculate the zones, the sizes of the zones and where they're located um, have changed uh, drastically and, and they're big, big changes. Some of the areas that used to be fairly small on your perimeter, depending on the height of the building, can be much larger. So you really need to become familiar with this. Uh, it's not as simple as it used to be. It's quite complex. Uh, the article that we have in the uh, magazine will help guide you through a, a process to get both the size of the zones that's required for your particular job and um, the pressure of those zones, which is really very, very important. You have to, you have to know those negative pressures that you have to meet. Um, once you've arrived at those pressures, then it's a matter of finding a product that will meet those pressures. Um, so you typically will do that through the product approval system. You look at the product you want to use and it should have a negative pressure uh, installed the way that it's described in that product approval. Another option is to go to the manufacturer and ask them to help you with which of their systems will meet the pressures you have to meet for that for that particular building. But to get there, um, you have to understand some information that you enter into uh, a couple different computer programs that, thank goodness, are free. Uh, they're available and um, you can uh, look at the article and it'll basically walk you through all of the information you have to have 
to enter the different fields in the, in the two different pieces of software that we recommend uh, that you can use to come up with those numbers. The, the primary one is roofwinddesigner.com. That'll be the second one you look at. That's provided by NRCA. Both of the sites are free. ATC, Hazard by Location, is the other one. Both of those sites are free. You set up a uh, basically an account uh, so you can go back in and, and enter your information. And if you like, particularly with roofwinddesigner.com, you can keep any job that you've entered on file um, at the website. Uh, it's a great tool. Uh, again, you have to know some of the information in order to enter the fields. And what the article does is walk you through those steps and hopefully helps you understand the information you need uh, in order to get these pressures. Um, very critical. Uh, it affects everything except shingles and metal shingles. It, it impacts low slope roofing, metal roofing, uh, tile. Now the tile in outside of the high velocity hurricane zone that we talked about during underlayments, uh, the tile sections actually you will want to use the FRS, the FRSA TRI uh, tile manual, which will give you tables that you can use to calculate these pressures. We've tried to make it a little simpler on, uh, on the roofs by using two pressure zones in the tile manual, high pressure zone and low pressure zone. Um, using the highest one, uh, obviously, for the high pressure zone, and then using the second highest number for the rest of the roof. Of course, you also can use the highest pressure, and this is true of any of these. If you want to take the highest pressure required and use that on the entire roof, there's nothing to stop you from doing that. Uh, you'll just use an awful lot more fastening in order to achieve it. And the reason uh, we titled that article, Does This Change Everything?, Obviously, it doesn't change everything, but it does change the size of the zones and the number of fasteners or the type of fastening that we use in order to meet those pressures and is, is going to be critical um, if you're doing the planning for your company and, and laying out how your roofs are to be attached. Uh, an understanding of this uh, is certainly important. So um, I urge you to look at the article, get your highlighter out. Um, I am available. If you have questions, grab the article, print it out, and give me a call, and I'll help walk you through that process. Okay, thanks, Mike. Um, and that article, again, appeared in the December issue of Florida Roofing Magazine. Um, it's available online. Um, I don't have the exact address, but if you go to floridaroof.com, uh, which is the FRSA website, uh, you'll be able to find uh, Florida Roofing Magazine and um, every issue really, and that is the December 2020 issue that features that article. Now we want to talk about uh, roof mitigation. And so there's several issues um, with roof mitigation. Again, these are changes in the 2020 code that we're talking yes. about, Mike? Some expansion of the roof mitigation okay. requirements. Okay. Um, Florida roofers are familiar with the need to re-nail um, wood roof decks. It's been a very clear and simple requirement for residential construction. Site-built, single-family residential structures is the way it's been described. Uh, it has The code actually requires re-nailing of all deck, but it's not as clear for other than the, it hasn't been as clear, I should say, for other than site-built single-family residential structures. Well, now that has been expanded to all wood structures. So it's very clear in the code now that if, if the uh, building, the roof sheeting or the roof deck 
is made with, with lumber or plywood or OSB, regardless of the occupancy of the building, they all need to be renailed. Um, and that makes it very, very clear that that's the case. Roofers in the state of Florida are also familiar, uh, particularly if you work along the coast, um, with the requirements for uh, evaluating the roof-to-wall connections. If you're doing uh, a building now in the windborne debris regions that is, has a wood roof deck on it, regardless of whether it's a site-built single-family residential structure, now you need to evaluate the roof-to-wall connections. Uh, the roof-to-wall connections are something that is very important in those areas that get extremely high winds. Uh, we've all seen pictures of the entire roof of a building, not the roof covering, but the entire roof assembly being blown off of a, of a building because it wasn't properly attached. That has been a requirement for site-built single-family residential structures. Um, above $300,000 in value, and that's for the building itself, not the land. So you've got to look at the value of the structure, either the way that it is shown in the tax rolls or the insured value uh, of the home. But again, most buildings are going to be in coastal areas, particularly uh, once you get into larger buildings, certainly are going to meet that standard. So there is a requirement that the owner consider at least redoing the roof to wall connections. And the, the caveat there is if the cost of the roof to wall connection, uh, re repairing those or improving those is higher than 15% of the cost of re-roofing, it's not required. So if you reach that point, it is obviously then the owner's option if it's not required, but many of the building departments want to see that. So you may need to put together an estimate of what it would cost to do the roof-to-wall connections uh, and present those to the owner so they can either accept or reject that and you'll have a written uh, response from the owner to provide the building department on whether they want to do the roof-to-wall connections or not. Uh, of course, we know now that a lot of those can be done without necessarily removing the roof. A lot of it is done now through the soffit, so the owner may decide that they don't want to do it as part of their of their re-roofing project and may do it at a later date by accessing through the soffits. But that is a fairly major change. Again, if you have problems trying to work that through the building department, give me a call. I can probably give you some information uh, that will help you prepare that and, and get your permit and, and get your job done. Okay, Mike, so uh, moving on from uh, roof mitigation changes, I know another thing that we uh, talked about um, and that uh, contractors are facing changes in the 2020 code is salvage tile. So what's up with uh, the changes in the salvage tile? The, uh, the code allows for um, like kind materials when you're, when you're doing an alteration. Re-roofing is an alteration level one uh, in the existing building volume, which is what you want to look at anytime you're working on an existing building. And then from there, it will refer you to the roofing sections of either the residential volume or the building volume. So you want to look at that and it has um, some requirements for how you have to use like kind materials and what they are. There has been some uh, misunderstanding in, in Florida that 
tile that no longer have a current product approval couldn't be used for repairing um, a tile roof. And, and that is not the case, and it has not been the case, although it has been misunderstood by quite a little bit. It has to do with what is considered obsolete tile. Obsolete tile doesn't mean it can't ever be used or can't, can't be repaired. It just means that the tile no longer matches, and so it, it may not interlock and work with existing tile. So what's allowed now is, is if you're doing a repair, and a repair is less than 25% of a roof area, if you're doing a repair, you can use salvage tile that matches the tile that was installed when the roof was originally done, whether that was during new construction or doing a re-roof. Even though that tile does not have current product approval, it is like-kind tile, and the tile would have either had product approval or met the code at the time the roof was installed. So this makes it very, very clear that for repairs, you can use salvage tile. There's also an allowance there that under certain circumstances, you can use salvage tile on an addition or under new construction, but it does require some testing be done to the tile or at least the building official accepts the use of that particular tile. Uh, again, in most cases, if it matches the tile that's on the roof and you're doing less than 25% of a roof area, you'll be able to use salvage tile. So no more needing to replace an entire roof because you've got 10 tile that are broken. Um, and, and we think that's a good change and, and helps to clarify that situation. That was an FRSA uh, change that we made. Okay, yeah, and that, I, I was thinking about the um, FRSA involvement in the code cycle, and that may be a topic of a whole nother podcast because that's quite a process. It's already uh, started for the next code cycle, uh, even though we haven't implemented the new one yet. We're already FRSA and the, the volunteers at FRSA who are experts, have years and years of experience in the industry from all different walks in the industry, whether they're contractors, manufacturers, people from all different parts of the industry volunteer their time so that FRSA has a voice in, in what happens uh, to the Florida Building Code. Just another thing that FRSA does is um, we produce seminars for continuing education credits. So every uh, roofing contractors have to maintain their continuing education credits. A set of seminars that was developed for these changes in code that Mike Silvers is teaching as well as uh, Manny Oyola from Eagle Roofing Products is a three-hour uh, set of two seminars. One is uh, roofing related changes for the FBC uh, 2020 code and the other one covers the sixth edition uh, FRSA TRI tile manual which is referenced in the new FBC code. And so it's a great set of seminars uh, in Orlando at the new FRSA headquarters building. If you haven't taken that seminar, uh, it's a great way to get an overview of the changes in the code. We've got one more thing here to talk about in the changes and, and that um, is the roof diaphragm evaluation, Mike. Yeah, and this is something that a lot of people are, may not even be aware is in the building code, but it has been. And so we are responsible as, as licensed contractors in the state of Florida to do our work in accordance with the Florida Building Code, um, regardless of whether the local jurisdiction enforces it or not. 
Um, it's not up to them to decide whether we meet the building code. It is, it, it is a requirement for licensed contractors to meet the building code. Uh, the inspections are there as a uh, kind of a cursory review of what's been done, but um, you want to make sure that you're following the code. There's been a section in the code that says if you remove over 50% of the roof covering, you were supposed to do a uh, roof diaphragm evaluation, which is obviously an engineering uh, task that has to be accomplished. Uh, and it was quite burdensome. Um, there were a few municipalities requiring roofing contractors to sign an affidavit that they had done these, uh, these evaluations. That really is not something that can be done by a roofing contractor, although it kind of fell directly in our laps. Um, we wanted to make a change there. We were, uh, it, was, it was quite complex to get this pushed through, but we were, we were able to get it done. Uh, this was uh, mainly through FRSA's efforts. Uh, and now that section has changed and the trigger is now replacing 30% or more of the roof deck requires this diaphragm evaluation. So the trigger has been moved from removing the roof covering to removing the roof deck and the trigger has now went to 30% as opposed to 50% when it was for the roof covering. And what that does on most re-roofs, it takes that requirement off of the roofing contractor and, and we think that's a big deal. Now if you get into a job that is going to require complete deck replacement or replacement of over 30% of the deck, then you uh, should get an engineer involved and they should do at that point an evaluation of the diaphragm. Um, and we think that that's, uh, you know, the 30% threshold for roof deck replacement is a fairly high bar. It's fairly unusual in re-roofing that you have to replace that much of the deck. So we think that that's a, a really good change too. And, and John, I'm glad you mentioned the efforts of FRSA in impacting these, these code changes. We work very hard to have an impact on them, uh, but understand that there are a lot of players in the, in the code arena. Uh, the insurance industry has a huge impact on what's happening with the building codes. They have a lot of representatives at all different levels um, working on these things and a lot of outside of the code arena trying to uh, get the public mindset to where they want more stringent building codes. FRSA has been a partner in improving the, the Florida Building Code and we think that it is, and, and this is pretty well accepted, that the roofing code for Florida is definitely the most stringent code in the country as far as roofing is concerned. Um, and FRSA has been a partner in that. We, we realize that keeping people in their homes after a hurricane is in, incredibly important. Uh, so that they're not out of their house and, and to, to minimize some of the insurance claims as well. But as, as important as the cost is just allowing people to stay if they're not in a flood zone uh, to hopefully be able to stay in their homes and that their homes are at least livable after a hurricane has passed. And, and we've seen that the renailing requirements and the secondary water barrier requirements or the sealed roof deck that we talked about previously is uh, very, very important in doing that. Uh, so we thank all of our volunteers that, that work with us on these code changes. Yeah, and the ability to stay in your house has become even more important 
Um, with COVID, um, it's, a, it's a whole nother decision-making process to decide whether you're going to leave your house and go to even a relative's house or to a shelter because you've got, you've, you've got other concerns going on there. And so the, the ability to feel safe, you always have to listen to what the authorities in the area say about a storm and, and whether it's, you need to evacuate or not, but knowing that your house has been built to codes designed to keep you safe is, is a good part of, uh, it helps with that process of making the decision. Absolutely, and again, FRSA has been a, a good partner in, uh, in trying to improve the structures and particularly, obviously, the, the roof coverings um, in particular, but um, we also look very closely at whether these, these uh, suggestions are doable or not. The sealed deck, roof deck item is, is, uh, is a major change and, and the one that's probably impacting is the most, uh, but there was a, a, a large uh, number of people who wanted to see this happen and it was fairly, uh, fairly well backed. And, uh, and we think that it's, it's something that's doable uh, although contractors certainly need to get themselves up to speed. And that's true of the building code in general. It's becoming a bigger part of what we have to do as contractors. Every code cycle, our code cycles are three years. Every three years, a new building code comes out. And if we have a serious hurricane during that cycle of, of the code is being promulgated, um, there is a lot of pressure to in, increase the requirements in the building code to make our structures stand up better. So it, uh, it's an important part of it, and FRSA is viewed as a, as a key player in, uh, in the Florida building code and its, uh, and its makeup. All right, thank you, Mike. Um, all right, I think that wraps it up for today. Um, just wanna let you know if you have any um, questions, um, you can reach FRSA in a, a couple of ways. You can send me an email, uh, john at floridaroof.com. You can call at 800-767-3772. Um, my extension is uh, 123. Mike, uh, your email address is silvers at floridaroof.com. And again, if you call that phone number, um, I'll give you to you one more time. If you've got a codes or technical question, um, we'll send you over to Mike. Um, that phone number is 800-767-3772. And he is at extension 169. All right, well, uh, thank you. And I just wanna, again, uh, wish you a great uh, Christmas with you and your family and a happy new year. Merry Christmas doll. Tired of not making money on your savings? ...is paying 1.1% on a 24-month jumbo CD. Working with the FRSA Credit Union ensures that we are able to continue funding the consumer roof loans and business loans that our customers love. Call 877-657-7212 today 
to find out how the FRSA Credit Union can help you grow.